Welcome to Parent Talk Podcasts, where experienced parents and expert guests give tips and tricks on making parenting a breeze. Well, at least a little easier. Now here is your host, Genevieve Kyle, and co-host, Heather Fox. Hi everyone, and welcome to Parent Talk, broadcasting out of the greater Vancouver area. We're here to inform, educate, and support parents from the early years and beyond. I'm your host, Genevieve Kyle. I'm 42, and I'm a busy mommy of two, Alexandre, who is two-year-old, and Nathan, who is five months old. Today, we're talking about HPV, which is human papillomavirus. So let's go around the table and introduce ourselves. Hi, everyone. I'm Heather Fox. I'm the co-host of Parent Talk. I am 41 years old, and my son Hudson is 23 months today, almost two years, and I'm expecting baby number two. Hi, everyone. My name is Dr. Kieto, and I'm a family physician here in Coquitlam. I have a three-year-old daughter, and I'm also married to a local ENT. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kiet, and thank you, Heather, for being here. So, Kiet, what is HPV? So, HPV stands for human papillomavirus. It's the most common sexually transmitted infection in the entire world. So, three out of every four sexually active adults will contract HPV at some point in their life. And how can we catch it? So, if you have sex, absolutely. But any kind of intimate touching, whether through oral, genital, anal, from someone who has an active infection, you can potentially contract the virus. Hmm. So I've seen people get HPV on their vagina, their thigh, their anal, rectal area. I've even seen it on people's tongue, lip, and even on the finger. So it comes in many forms, and oftentimes the first Uh, noticeable symptom that people have is actually a wart. And many people don't know what a wart looks like, but they can come as a flat appearing white lesion. It can look like a little cauliflower. So I tell patients, if you're not sure, go see your doctor, have it looked at. And oftentimes we don't really realize it's a wart until we biopsy it and send it away to a pathologist. Who is more prone of catching it? So obviously, if you have multiple sexual partners, the more sexual contacts that you do have, you're at higher risk of contracting the virus. That being said, many people have the virus and have absolutely no symptoms, and they spread it on to their sexual partners not knowingly. So for women, the fortunate thing is we do have a way to screen for HPV through pap test screening, and that's just looking for precancerous or abnormal cells along the cervix. But for many men that come in and see me in the office, their partner will tell them, oh, I had an abnormal pap, it could be HPV, you should go get tested. And unfortunately, there is no available test or pap uh, that is equivalent for men that's available. And for men, the first symptom that they actually present with is actually genital warts. And they usually get pretty freaked out about it because wow, it's an STD or an STI. And for many people, it still comes with this shame or guilt and they feel embarrassed by it. But I try to normalize it now because it's so common and almost anybody that I see that's ever had sex, I tell them it's very likely they probably already have HPV and they don't know it. Mm-hmm. Wow. So Kiet, can you uh, tell me what happened if we catch it? So let's say 
we do a test, let's say, for example, for a woman who's coming in for a routine pap. So here in BC, we recommend that women start getting paps at the age of 25 up to 69. So at a routine paps test, we're going to swab endocervical cells and we're going to send it off to a pathologist. If that came back as abnormal or having precancerous lesions, these women will get sent off to for a colposcopy, which is a special exam with a gynecologist who looks at the cervix under a high-powered microscope, and they do a special biopsy to see what kind of lesion it is. It's very treatable if caught very early, um, and unfortunately, sometimes if it is a high-grade HPV infection that leads to cervical cancer, these patients will get sent on to a cancer agency for further treatment. But for men with HPV, oftentimes it's genital warts, and there are a lot of really good treatments that are available. So for doctors, we can prescribe patients creams, gels, and lotions that they can apply in the comfort of their own home, but also there are treatments in the office. I have patients come in every week to two weeks, and I use liquid nitrogen or cryotherapy, and it's just burning the lesions off slowly. The more aggressive approach oftentimes if there's lots of lesions or warts is to have them surgically removed by a gynecologist, urologist, or a cancer specialist. And is men can get cancer because of those warts? They can. So uh, a small percentage can, although rare, can progress on to get penile cancer. Mm -hmm. And it really depends on the type of HPV strain that you're infected with. Mm. Can you talk about the HPV vaccine? Absolutely. So there are three HPV vaccines that are available here in Canada, and I'll just mention their names so that people know. So the first one that was available is called Cervarix, and that was approved for use only in women. And then the next one that came out was called Gardasil, and the most recent one is called Gardasil 9. So I'm going to focus on Gardasil 9 because that's the one that we recommend for use, and it's the one that's approved by BC Health, and it's covered for children here in the province. So Gardasil 9, just as it sounds, includes nine strains of HPV. So the main two that we talk about is HPV 16 and 18, and those are the two most, we call them cancer-causing, meaning anal, genital, cervical cancers, um, subtypes of HPV. And then in that cocktail, they also included 6 and 11, which are HPV subtypes that account for about 90% of genital warts that are out there. So, um, and then what they did was they made the vaccine even, even better by adding in five additional strains. And these five additional strains account for about 14% additional anal genital cancers in addition to the 16 and 18 that they already had before. Wow. Mm -hmm. So it's a very powerful vaccine and extremely effective safety and efficacy has been proven. They actually looked at trials because Gardasil has been available since 2006. So there is some long-term data on it now. And they're saying it's probably effective for at least 10 years. Mm. So drawing from Gardasil, we would think that Gardasil 9 is also going to be as equally potent, if not more. But um, I'm telling a lot of patients who've had the Gardasil vaccine is that if they want the additional five strains for coverage is to go and get vaccinated for Gardasil 9 as well. Who shouldn't get the vaccine? So right now they're saying pregnant and lactating women should just avoid the vaccine. But of course, once they're no longer pregnant and no longer breastfeeding, they're absolutely safe to go on and get the vaccine. 
And if you've ever had an allergic reaction to the Gardasil vaccine before, um, you may also have a reaction to Gardasil 9. So that's something to mention to your doctor. And also if you have a severe allergy to yeast, because that is also found in the vaccine cocktail. Good to know. Mm -hmm. How many doses the HPV vaccine is needed? So there used to be a very simple answer to that, but now Mm -hmm. it's a bit more complicated. So it depends on what age you are when you first get the vaccine. So let's start with girls, women. So the vaccine is available for children, eight, for women, age nine to 45. If you get the vaccine between the ages of nine and 14, you only need two doses, six months apart. But if you get the vaccine after 14, you should get three doses at zero, two, and six months. Okay. So same thing to be said for boys. So So the great thing what the province has offered is um, since September of 2017, boys starting in grade six are also eligible to get the HPV Gardasil 9 vaccine for free. So that two-dose schedule is also the same for boys if they get it between the age of nine and 14. After 14, they would get the three-dose regimen. And the reasoning behind that, they think, is that when they're younger, their immune system's stronger. So they'll actually mount a much stronger antibody response to the vaccine. And as we get older, we tend to believe that our immune systems are a bit weaker. So we'll need an extra third dose. Heather, um, have you ever had the HPV vaccine? No, because when I was younger, it didn't exist. <laughs> um, and then I honestly, I, this, it's new information to me. I thought you could only get it when you were younger. I thought it was only up to like late 20s or early 30s so I believe I just thought I was out of the realm of even having that possibility but again I mean I'm obviously married and have been sexually active I have a child (laughs) so I mean would I have to now get tested first to see if I have it before I get vaccinated though so I mean the first thing would be if you had a paps a pap test Mm -hmm. so I'd make sure your pap test is up to date and In BC, it's every three years as long as it's been normal. That being said, people in long-term monogamous relationships who tell me they've never had an STI, they've never had genital warts, I still recommend the HPV vaccine if they fall within that age category. So right now, if you're under 45, I would recommend it. Hmm. So I guess we're going in. Yeah, I have, some in, my, I have some in my bag. There you go, Heather. <laughs> Heather's terrified of needle, by the way. <laughs> this is funny. Oh, yeah. Did no, I think it's, I think it's important. If you're thinking about getting pregnant, can you still get the vaccine? Or? Absolutely. Okay. If you're not pregnant, it's okay. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly enough, let's say you are pregnant. You have mm-hmm. a genital ward outbreak. Mm. So there is a very rare condition where you can potentially pass it on to your fetus during delivery. It's called recurrent respiratory papillomatosis, and it's where warts can develop in the baby's airway. Extremely rare, so it's something you would discuss with your obstetrician at the time, but it's something to be said that if that mom didn't have the vaccine already, is after she had the baby, and if she wasn't nursing, I would absolutely recommend that she get the vaccine. So what if, because at this age I would need the three doses, what if I got the vaccine and then I got pregnant and then I, now I can't get the next two? So how does that work? So the dosing schedule is zero to Mm -hmm. six months. 
they say that because that's how it was studied in the trials. That being said, I've had patients that come in a year later and say they forgot their second dose. Is it too late? So I've spoken to a few drug reps about that, and there's no studies on that. So they really say you should probably just redo it from the beginning. It is a cost issue, of course, because you're going to have to buy another three doses. It's, I'd say, better safe than sorry. Mm-hmm. How much are the doses? So the cost of uh, each dose of the vaccine can be about $200. But if you have extended health plan through Sun Life, Blue Cross, healthcare spending account, uh, I find that usually you get some reasonable coverage. So if you're not sure, I would just speak to your insurance plan and see what is covered. Okay, that think it's important if you have extended too. Yeah. Is it in your arm? It is. It's in. It's intramuscular, <laughs> so it could be in your butt if you wanted to, as long as it's in the muscle. Um, as soon as it came out and was available, I was, I think, in university at the time. I ran and got it right away. It was just something that, when I was in medical school, we were educated about cervical cancer, warts, and it was kind of no brainer. If you have something that can protect you against an STI, why not get it? So I have a few nieces that are kind of in their late teens, early 20s now. And I remember, you know, when I was around that age and decided to first have sex, like that's when I would have to go get my first pap. And is that something that they would go to to now? Is that still the practice? So that's an excellent question. And back in the day it was, but there are more recent guidelines that have come out and especially supported by the BC Cancer Agency to say that for women, we should start papping at the age of 25 until 69 and every three years, as long as it's normal. And the reason why is when we were papping young girls, let's say at 16 or even 13, when they start having sex is we're going to pick up a lot of really low grade abnormal HPV infections that they would normally clear on their own. And many people with a healthy immune system, they will clear the virus and we won't be able to detect it on a pap smear. So the reason why we pap later is it takes about five years during the time of starting to have sex where you're going to get exposed to enough different strains of HPV that if you have one that will linger on, it will show up and cause enough changes in the cervix that will pick it up on a pap. And every three years now is because it takes that long for these kind of infections to really progress and show enough changes in the cervix for us to be able to detect them. And it avoids really unnecessary and really aggressive biopsying in younger girls when they would normally not need it at all because it would, it would have been gone already. Mm-hmm. Well, my grandmother passed away from cervical cancer, but this is back in the days, right? Yeah. And if you have a history like this in your family, is it something you're more prone to develop it more, like turn into cancer more than other person? So that's a great question. And there are different, definitely different forms of cervical cancer. There are ones we call them where it's just, it just happens. And it's not because you were highly promiscuous and it may not be from an HPV infection, but we know that the majority over 90% are actually related to HPV. Mm. And even if you've had one sexual partner your entire life, but if that partner had sex with at least one other person who then had sex with one other person who had sex with 10 other, you're potentially exposed to hundreds of different sexual partners and therefore viruses like HPV. So you just never know, and it's better off just get yourself protected while you can. And for children, it's why we're vaccinating children is we want to 
get the vaccine in before they start having sex and before they start getting exposed to these viruses so that their immune system is ready to fight them. Mm. So for, I know right now you were saying the children at school are starting to get vaccinated around 11, 12, right? Yes. As a parent, what can we say to our child? Because if they're not sexually active, they may have some questions, right? Absolutely. And so right now they're giving it to children around grade six. So they're about 11, 12 years of age. And I think such sexual education is extremely important. And to have an open discussion with your children about that at a young age does not encourage them to run out and start having sex. I think we explain it to them as this is an important vaccine that's going to protect you against a virus that you can be exposed to later on in your life. And it can cause cancer and warts. And the safety profile of the vaccine has been proven. So I tell parents the side effects that they can expect would be local redness and a little bit of a sore arm after the injection, but severe anaphylaxis or, you know, terrible reactions has been extremely rare and I haven't seen it personally yet, but I think just having an open dialogue about safe sex goes along with it. Mm -hmm. I think it's so important, right? Oh, definitely. Mm -hmm. And at that age, it's only two That's right. Mm -hmm. So you tell them if you get it now, you save yourself. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I just also want to tell all the girls or the parents that are listening out there who initially didn't give their child the vaccine and have changed their mind. So if they have a daughter that's born after 1994, they are still eligible to get it for free and they can get it at any of their family doctor offices or at the public health unit. That's good to know. Mm -hmm. Wow. How can we minimize our risk of getting uh, HPV? Safe sex, safe sex. Absolutely. Can't say it enough, right? Exactly. So using condoms is very important, but also limiting the number of sexual partners we have can be helpful too. Ultimately, vaccination. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the vaccination. How can we get tested for HPV? So for women... Pap test, as I've mentioned already, is the main way we screen for early abnormal cells in the cervix. And I want to speak briefly about a special type of pap smear that is available. Unfortunately, it's not covered by MSP, and it's called the Sure Path Pap Test. And your doctor, a family doctor, a walk-in clinic, you'll have to ask if they have this special kit available because it's a liquid cytology and it feels just like a regular pap test. But what we're going to be able to do is that when they send it off to Life Lab, they can actually look for specific types of HPV. And what they're trying to rule out are high grade HPV. So specifically the types of that I mentioned before, 16 and 18, that can lead to cervical cancer. They want to detect those early. And we know that if we find those, and these women can definitely get treatment and screened more closely with colposcopy. And then hopefully they don't progress on to high-grade cervical cancer. Mm-hmm. Heather, will you get uh, Hudson vaccinated for HPV when you get uh, the grade six? So is it part of like the ones uh, it's offered at the school and I just have to like sign the consent? Basically? Exactly. Oh, I'll send then a I, consent would be, I would be signing yeah, the consent. Yes. Definitely yeah, do definitely. That yeah. Yeah. As a, as a dental hygienist, we are getting a lot of training right now with um oral and mouth and tongue cancer and because with oral sex 
often this is where it's uh, the first signs are and then of course we refer to uh, to the medical doctor right away but uh, we're really really keeping an eye on this really really closely right now so Kiet um, what is your take-home message so if I was gonna just say three main highlighting points of this talk would be use condoms practice safe sex educate your children at an early age about safe sexual practices, get vaccinated. If you're unsure, please make an appointment, see your family doctor or speak to any physician at a walk-in clinic to have a discussion about the HPV vaccine and how you can get it. And of course, routine pap screening for women. So please, if you've not had a pap smear in the last two years, Go and book one with your family doctor or go to a walk-in clinic. They're available to do that for you there. Anyone's looking for additional information about immunizations and HPV in particular, a very good website is Immunize BC, and you can Google that, and it's really easy to find, and there's a lot of great patient-friendly information on it. So this is the website for British Columbia, but wherever you are in, there is a website like this that you can find on your government site. All right. Well, thank you, Kiet. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. And thank you, Heather, for being here. I think it's time for a conversation card. It's time for a conversation card. Every week we like to play a game, not only for fun, but to get to know our guests a little more too. Nobody knows what the mystery card might ask. Sometimes silly and sometimes serious. Let's find out what it will be this week. All right, ladies. Our question today is, which household chores do you like to do and which do you try to avoid? (laughs) That's not too hard today. (laughs) No, that's an easy one. So I love watering all of my houseplants. I love that. And the one chore that I avoid is doing the bathrooms, cleaning bathrooms and toilets. Not no, no, that. <laughs> well, now that I have my new vacuum, <laughs> I like vacuuming now. It's fun. I because I got one of the, like Jen recommended the um, Dyson. The little Dyson. Yes. Oh my gosh, it's fantastic. <laughs> oh, so I quite enjoy vacuuming now because it's so light and easy. Didn't used to like it. I'm. I don't know what it is. I have a thing with laundry. <laughs> I started this love-hate thing with it when I was a teenager, and I once I get into it, I'm like, this is so easy. Why don't I just do it? But I let it build up, and I'm the worst for laundry. I have been actually known to go buy new clothes rather than do laundry in my past. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's how bad it has been. <laughs> That's pretty bad, actually. It's really bad. I know. Not anymore, but in the past, I must admit. <laughs> Confession. <laughs> Confession time. <laughs> a little bit like you, I used to hate vacuuming, but now that I have my Dyson, I actually love vacuuming. <laughs> and something I really don't like to do, and my husband likes to do, well, I think this is a, an understatement here or an overstatement. <laughs> I don't know sure exactly, but Alistair gets to do the, the garbage and recycling, and I don't really like doing it, so it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't like that one either. No, but bio yeah, waste. goodness. Oh, Bruce yeah, bio waste. Oh, bio know? waste is the worst. And I'm all about, like, yeah. every single peel get in, yeah. into mm-hmm. the... I was doing that today. I was cleaning out the fridge, and I was, like, <laughs> so taking gross. things out of plastic, and I'm like, oh, no, that's an old cucumber. <laughs> yeah. The Love day it. before collection, right? <laughs> you clear out the fridge. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. I, we keep our green waste in the fridge because I really don't want it to stink on my counters. I have a big, huge thing and we can 
like it comes in and out of the fridge all the time it works for us anyways hey i understand we have a stand-up freezer yeah, oh, the just for that. Just for just anyways. <laughs> yep. I don't like free. I don't like stinky no, food stuff. And you know what? During the summer, I went to a friend of mine at one point, and I could see the flies just going around. Oh, and I would drive me insane. Yeah. So for us, that, yeah, no. the fridge option was really good. All right. Well, thank you again for everybody for coming today and record with us. Yeah. My pleasure, ladies. It was a lot of fun. Great. Awesome. <laughs> Well, thank you for your time and your contribution in other parents' lives, helping us be the best parents we can be. For our listeners, if you have a question or you would like to join us on our show as a guest or as an expert, please visit the Contact Us section on our website at parenttalk.ca. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podbean, or you can subscribe directly to this podcast on our website at parenttalk.ca so you don't miss an episode. If you have a minute, please review us on Apple Podcasts. We want to know what you think. Remember, there's nothing more powerful than feeling supported by a community of parents and sharing your thoughts, ideas, and experiences. Parent Talk is a safe space for everyone. Thank you for listening and have a great week. The views and or opinions of the host and their guests are not necessarily those of Parent Talk and should not be considered as fact. The information offered is believed to be accurate but is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be used for diagnosing or treating any health issue or prescribing medication. If you have any questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your child, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare practitioner.